Hi, welcome to the Haven Youth Church Podcast. We want to thank you for tuning in today. We hope this message encourages you and empowers you to be all God created you to be. We love you. Welcome to the family. Turn to Genesis chapter 29. We'll read one verse. Genesis chapter 29 and verse 30. I want to remind you that next week right here uh, on Friday night from 10 o'clock p.m. to 10 o'clock a.m. We will be uh, having intercessory prayer. We'll have uh, a burn session with live music. And, uh, and we want to invite you to come be a part of that uh, and, uh, and, and spend, some, spend, some time, spend some time seeking the face of the Lord. Um, so um, we talked about uh, the Lord setting a flame, setting a fire in the house. And so I'll tell you how he does it. When an altar's made. Amen. And so there'll be an altar all over this place, and we want to invite you to come be a part of that. The last burn session we had, miracles, signs, and wonders all throughout the place. And so it'll be an exciting time, and we want you to be here for that. So, amen. Uh, Genesis chapter 29 and verse 30, if you found it, say amen. And the Bible says, so Jacob went in to Rachel also, and he loved Rachel more than Leah. Say, oh, poor Leah. You ever been there before? <clears throat> so I'm like, no, I've always been choice. <laughs> and he served Laban for another seven years. I want to preach to us uh, an addendum to last week. It's not, if it's not you, it's not anyone. Borrowed a line from my good friend. If it's not you, it's not anyone. This is part two. Holy Spirit, we, we thank you. For making your presence known in this house tonight, we invite you again to have your way and to have your will. We we ask, Lord, that you you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive what is the transformation agent, the seed of your word. God causes us to be hearers and doers also. We give you the glory and the honor. Amen. Um, you ever you ever been disappointed? Usually if you're disappointed, it's because there's an expectation, right? <clears throat> you expect one thing, and, and whatever you're expecting, it doesn't quite live up to that, right? Some of you are in relationships right now, and you're so disappointed. <laughs> I was just saying this is a joke. <clears throat> I, was, uh, I, I was invited to go on a smallmouth fishing trip in Canada, and uh, this was really exciting for me. I really like to fish. I like to hunt. I like to do those things, and... So I, like in typical Matt fashion, I decided to wait until it was too late to do the, the licensure online. And so I had to go the morning of our trip. We were meeting on a dock in Michigan, and we were going to, uh, to ride the boat into Canadian waters. And so I needed a Canadian fishing license. And so I just decided, well, I'll just drive. I won't sleep tonight. I'll just drive up to Michigan, right? So I drove up to Michigan and then over into Canada. I had done the work, right? Like I'd done research, of course, and uh, the Walmart was open 24 hours. This was pre-COVID and, you know, so the, the I, I go across the border and I go into Walmart and go into the hunting and the fishing section. And that was also when they used to sell guns and things like that. And that's another story. But uh, and they told me that they told me that they didn't sell fishing license anymore. And so I'm in Canada. And, you know, I had expectations for, for uh, you know, 
for you know, a hog, you know, big, thick one. You understand what I'm saying? And, uh, you know, I, I inquire, like, where could I get a fishing license, right? And they tell me a few places. None of those places are open, right? The only place open besides Walmart in Canada is Tim Hortons. It's a big deal there. And uh, so I go into Tim Hortons, and I'm uh, trying, to, trying to find – time is running out. It became very clear to me that I wasn't going to find a fishing license in time to meet them at the dock at 6 a.m. on the U.S. side. So I headed back uh, with my Tim Hortons um, coffee across the border, uh, deeply disappointed, and then further disappointed when I got to the U.S. Border Patrol, who was convinced that I was making a drug run because of the quick trip and asked me to step out of the vehicle and into the waiting room. And for the next two hours, they proceeded to tear apart my truck and look for the drugs that they knew I was carrying. And uh, I told them, I swear, I'm fishing. I was going to go fishing. There was a fishing license, and you guys stopped selling them. And, uh, and so they didn't buy that. Anyway, they tore my, part of my truck apart. Now, I'm, I'm not up here, you know, trying to bash the blue, you know, uh, nothing like that. But I'll tell you, they didn't put my truck back together, and I was a little, a little hot, a little disappointed in the blue, right? I don't even know if Border Patrol is the blue, but uh, whoever they were, they could have at least put some of the stuff back together. They didn't. Uh, and then I had to make that embarrassing phone call to the crew that, you know, I was supposed to go fishing with. I'm not going to make it. What do you mean you're not going to make it? Well, I don't have a license. Well, who told you, like, that was supposed to be taken care of? Yeah, I know, like, but I had a plan, right? I had a plan, and I was going to be there, and I was going to meet you guys there, right? You ever been there? You have a plan, right? You have expectations, you have hopes, and then, like, the bottom falls out, right? And, and the sad thing is, is a lot of us have been there. We've been there in relationships, but unfortunately, we've also been there with our relationship with the Lord, where we've expected something, we've had high hopes for something, we thought the Lord was going to come through in this area or come through in that area in our life, and, and, and come to find out that we are grossly disappointed, embarrassed even, right? That our expectations weren't, weren't met. And that's what we're going to find out in our story tonight, in our continuation of this beautiful, crazy, twisted, disgusting, weird love triangle between Jacob and Rachel and, and Leah. We understand that, <laughs> that Jacob is on the run. Jacob is on the run from a life, of, a life of deception, right? Jacob the deceiver, this is his name, the supplanter, right? The one who's, 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 who's robbed for everything, that, who's, who's uh, been just a scoundrel for every advance in his life. He has, he has real no, really no skill. He has no talent, right? Everything that he's achieved or gained, he's done so through the back door, through some round approach, right? And so this is the story of, of Jacob. Jacob, who is the second born, not the first born. Jacob, who will not receive the right hand of blessing from his father. Jacob, who his father doesn't even like. He's despised by his father. Because he can't play ball, right? I mean, some of y'all are probably out there and you're feeling a little bit, you know, six to one, I was destroying this guy. You heard him say it himself, six to one. And then I was just done, right? So uh, I could tell that his heart was crushed. And, uh, you know, Kyle was there. He saw it. He started getting angry. He started like, really, I was afraid he was going to break the relationship. Uh, started getting really physical and violent on the basketball court. I'm like, bruh, like, number one, I'm out of breath. I'm like, you know, I know I look young because, like, I bathe in avocados every night. But, uh, 
but I'm like a little older and I haven't played basketball in like four years, five years. I don't know. It's been a long time. I won't let you have this one, right? Just to save our relationship. So that's uh, the rest of the story that he probably left out. Six to one. Come on. Seriously? Six to one. And, and so, so Jacob can't play ball. Jacob can't. He doesn't even know how to dribble the ball, right? Like Jacob doesn't know how to hold the gun. He's afraid of the gun. Okay, he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know, he doesn't know the difference between a 410, uh, he doesn't know the difference between a 9mm and a long rifle. Like, he's confused about man stuff, and his dad's disappointed. Meanwhile, Esau, the manly man, right, with his chest out, right, he's got hair coming out, right, <sighs> right, and his dad loves Esau, he's his favorite, and he's going to receive the blessing, because he's the firstborn. And Jacob receives the wound of the father, insecure a wound that he's going to going to attempt to feel on his own for the rest of his life and he steals his brother's birthright he steals his brother's blessing from his grandfather and now his brother wants him dead and his mama says you gotta you gotta go for a month or so, you need to run to, to my family's house. And so he's now on the run. He's on the run and at no particular place, he decides to, that he's going, to, he's going to take a break and he lays his head down, right? And we read it last week in Genesis that, that the Lord began to open up the heavens and God himself comes down that ladder and begins to stand by and stand with Jacob. And Jacob, the Bible says that Jacob called the place Bethel or uh, Bethel, and which literally means Beth meaning house, right? An L of God. You've heard of Bethlehem, right? The house of bread. Beth, house of bread. Bethlehem. And so this is Bethel, the house of God. And so what is the house of God? At the house of God, no particular place really, but at the house of God, God himself comes down. He sees the vision. He dreams the dream. And there's angels ascending and descending, right? But God came down. Jacob never went up. God came down. And it's important to know tonight that you don't have to climb up the ladder. You could never get up the ladder if you wanted to. The good news of the gospel is he came down the ladder to you tonight. Hallelujah. He came down to where you were. You could not get to where he is. You, he had to come down to you. And he says, I see you. I see you. This is what David, this is what what Jacob's always wanted. I want to be seen. I want to be wanted. I want to be heard. And God himself says, I see you, son. I've never took my eyes off of you, son. I want you. You may have been rejected by your father, but I've always wanted you. I've always had a plan for your life. I chose you from the foundation of the earth to be my chosen one, to receive the blessing of the father. And I want you to be with me. And he gives him the promise of many sons. And he gives him a blessing and he gives him the promise of his presence wherever he goes. No particular place. God shows up and calls it Bethel, the house of God. Now I want us to understand tonight that what makes a place a house of God is a place where God's voice speaks. What makes a place a house of God, because this was just a stone, this was just a rock. There's nothing special about the place. What consecrated the place was the fact that God showed up. 
Do you hear me tonight? There's nothing special about this building unless the Spirit of God shows up. There's nothing special about the gathering. There's nothing holy about the gathering unless we have Jesus himself in this room by way of Holy Spirit. And so how do we define the, the Bethel? The house of God, where God's presence shows up, where God's voice shows up, where his word shows up, where miracles, where, 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 where God begins to manifest himself. And so what that tells me is, is, that, is that I can create any place I can turn into a gateway for the presence of God. I can turn into a, a door for the Holy Spirit to enter into. All I've got to do is begin to turn my attention to heaven. And whether it's my school, whether it's my home, whether it's the living room, the bedroom, the bathroom, whether it's my vehicle, whether it's at my friend's house, wherever my feet carry me can be a Bethel because wherever my feet carry me, I can turn into a house of God. I can hear from heaven. I can allow the voice of God to speak to me wherever I'm at. And Jacob in the middle, this is what's crazy. We know the story. You know the story, but if you didn't know the story, then you would think that this is the moment where God is going to pour out his wrath on Jacob. Jacob's going to put his, his head on a rock for a pillow, which is really strange in and of itself. But if you don't know the story and you don't know that God, that Bethel becomes a place of, uh, where God shows up up and down the ladder, right? Then this has got to be the place where God's judgment finally is poured out on the guy. The supplanter, the deceiver, right? This guy has done nothing. There's nothing in him that's good. He takes with him. He's on the run with no, with, with, he doesn't have an inheritance. He doesn't have money. He doesn't have skill. He doesn't have talent. He doesn't have favor. He's got nothing. And surely this is the place where God's just going to, you know what a curb stomp is? Like, if you don't know this story, you think God's probably going to say, bite the rock. Bite the rock, right? And so God was a crazy God. In the Old, the Old Testament God that we serve, you see his wrath poured out. And he does it in the New Testament, too. Okay, we're not, you know, just know. Just know. But in the Old Testament, it's kind of crazy when you turn your face against God and become an enemy of God, right? And so, you know what? I, I'm not even going to tell you what a curb stomp. Like, I'm not even going to tell you about the bite, biting the curb. <clears throat> But you know that this is what's going to happen, right? But this is what God does to the rejected, to the lonely, to the despised, to those who've, who've been overlooked, who've been unseen. God shows up and he says, I've called you and I've appointed you and I've chosen you and I've not forgotten you. I know you've got nothing to give me. I know you've got no talent. I know you've got no skill in of yourself. But son, if you'll turn your heart to me. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. He's preaching on his birthday. Better than you're responding on my birthday. I'll say that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Bethel should have been a place of judgment. But becomes a place of mercy. Almost immoral because of the justice of God or the lack thereof from our perspective. God, what are you doing with Jacob? Why don't you avenge Esau? What are you, what are you doing here with Jacob? That's why, that's why I can't judge the people in this room. I don't know what God is working in their life. And I don't know the heart wounds that they pulled into this house tonight. 
I don't know who's walked out on them. I don't know who's rejected them. I don't know who's abandoned them. I don't know what church, I don't know what church leader or church member has turned their back on them. I don't know what mom and dad has said. I don't know what God has said about them. And so I can't judge them, but I know that he's chosen them from the foundation of the earth. So I ought to just get behind them and say, go ahead, God. I know he's got a plan for you. Go ahead, young man. I know God has not, not overlooked you. Go ahead, young woman. I know that his plans for you are good and not of evil. Amen. Amen. And so he goes into Laban. We know we, we, we talked about this, this, this portion of the story last week. He goes to Laban. And at Laban, he falls in love with Rachel, whose name literally means, it can be translated as let there be light, right? And so there's just this aura that goes about, that goes about this, this Rachel, right, who's, who's stunning. The Bible says her figure is like, mm, and her, her face is like, mm. And, and so she's just like this, uh, this uh, baddie with a body, right? Like, this is what we're, <laughs> I don't know. And no, that's not, I'm still young, I can say that. Right? It's my, that's my birthday. Don't hate me. Hate, hate the oracles of God. I'm just putting it in your language. That's all. <clears throat> and so Rachel's, Rachel's striking, right? Commands the attention of a room. Everybody notices when she walks in. She commands influence. The sphere of her influences go far. And we'll find later that this is also going to be true of her descendant, particularly Joseph, whose influence goes far, right? And so we see that he becomes obsessed with Rachel. Oh. Now, you know when you know when a young man, ladies, you know when he's upset. You know when he loves you, when he's willing to pay a price, when he's willing to pay a price for you, right? And so, listen, if he's not willing to go, see, you thought you had to you had to hit him up, right? If you have to hit him up, can I tell you he's not really interested? I'm just, I, can I be real tonight? If you're sliding into his DMs, you're wasting your time. He's not interested in you. There's no trick you can pull. There's no picture you can send that's going to capture his heart. You might capture his lust, but you won't capture his heart. And so you may as well wait until the right one comes along. And when you'll know when he comes along because you will not be able to get rid of him. He'll, he'll, he'll travel many, many miles. He'll send many, many messages. He'll make many, many phone calls trying to get your heart and your attention. Why? Because when a man falls in love... There's nothing in this earth or outside of this, this earth that can stop his love. It becomes absolutely, irridiculously irresponsible. Ridiculously irresponsible. And that's your problem. You've been trying to get somebody to love you that don't love you. And you're trying to work for his love. You can't work for love. You can't work for love. You've been trying to perform for his love. You can't perform for his love. Oh, if I could sing really good. If the Lord would just bless my voice. And, oh, yeah. If I just had legs, like the people. I don't know. It's, this is my problem. I have a two-year-old, and this is all she wants to watch, so... You'll know that he loves you because his love will pay a high price. And Jacob, 
decides, after Laban says, hey, bro, you, you know you can work, which is a miracle in itself. We talked about that miracle last week. This, this boy couldn't work. He was a softy. He had no skill. And here he is manhandling large stones that, that it took entire, entire groups of, of shepherds to remove from the well, right? And here he is flexing for Rachel, right? Flexing for Rachel, but also, I, I believe, empowered by Holy Spirit to do what he could not do himself. And so here he is pursuing the heart of Rachel. He's only supposed to be here for a couple of weeks per his mama and come back home. And Laban says, hey, you're here. You may as well work for something. How about my Rachel? And he's like, I already kissed her. But I cried. The Spirit of the Lord bore witness, and, and I cried real tears from the Holy Spirit, so it's okay. And Laban, if you think I'm, Laban kissed her, him too, so it was weird. But I told you it was weird and twisted. And so it was a greeting. It was a customary greeting. Get over it. All right. And so, so Laban says, well, what's the price? Laban is negotiating the price for, for, he doesn't come. Remember, he comes without anything, right? Jacob shows up. The land of his, his mother, okay, 500 miles from home, okay, this journey. And, 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 and he's, he's got nothing, so he's going to have to work, right? And so we're talking about a typical, a typical wage, bride price, was going to be about a year to two years. I'll work seven. Jacob, Jacob says, I'll work seven, like a year year and a half probably would have been suffice, right? But this dude has lost his mind, out of his mind, in love. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes, Laban, I want Rachel. If it's not Rachel, it's not anyone. Whatever it takes, seven years, sign me up, right? Love always pays the price. I think it's interesting that we always have the energy to do things that we love. Passion always makes discipline pleasurable. Passion always makes discipline pleasurable. And when you, when you give your yes to the Lord, whatever discipline He brings your way, through the process of discipleship, it's always, yes. It's always, yes, Lord. More of you and less of me. When he shines an area, uh, highlights an area in my life by way of the Holy Spirit that doesn't please him, yes, Lord, your way is better. I want to know you more. When he highlights a relationship in my life that isn't pleasing to him, then the, 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 those who have fallen in love with the Lord, yes, Lord, I'll remove, or yes, Lord, I'll add, or when he, when he prompts me, Holy Spirit, to go and do something I'm really uncomfortable, go pray for this person. That's going to be awkward. Go pray for this person. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Love will always pay the price. 
and passion always makes discipline pleasurable. And he invites you and I continually to the place of Bethel where he himself descends from heaven and comes along beside us. Hallelujah to God. Would to God tonight that the fire of God would reignite hearts and lives in this room. Hallelujah for the living God. He is the image of the invisible God. He is before all things and in him he holds all things together. He is the hope of glory and all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him alone. The source and sum of all that is worthy and all that is beautiful. He transcends every created thing and anything that is lovely is because of him and outside of him all things are but spoiled and rotten. We cannot love him too much. We cannot idolize him too much for he's way too perfect for you or for me. He's worthy of more glory, worthy of more praise. He's always worthy of more honor. So I say tonight, let the fire burn within. Let it burn without. And let us run after him as Paul. I must know you, Lord Jesus. It's not hard to be faithful to church when I'm in love with him. It's not hard to be faithful to the small group. It's not hard to be faithful to the community he's called me to. When I've fallen in love with him. Seven years. Sign me up. And he says one of the most beautiful lines in scripture. It was as a few days. Hallelujah. There's some sort of transition that takes place in your heart when you're in love. It's nothing I have to do but everything I want to do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. If it's about the platform for you, burnout's on your way. If it's about the attaboys for you, you're going to be burnout too. Yeah. Oh, but those who've fallen in love with Jesus. Hallelujah. It's the fire from heaven, the passion that's birthed in the heart that becomes the fuel through the dry season, the fuel through hurt, the fuel through rejection, the fuel when nobody understands and nobody knows and nobody can relate. What keeps me going? It's the fuel. It's the fire of the Holy Spirit. It's the love for God Almighty and His Son, Jesus Christ. How how did how did the, how did John how did John continue on his way? How did how did Peter and James how did they how did they endure the loneliness that was the call to apostleship? How did Paul endure the prison? How did Barnabas continue on his way? How did John, when he's on the Isle of Patmos, carry on? How how did how did the likes of the likes of William Seymour? How did the likes of uh, of Charles Spurgeon continue on until that fateful day? It was the fire of God. They didn't walk around saying, oh, I'm just burnt out. I'm church hurt. People were mean to me. They said mean things to me. Well, if all it took for you to become offended, to, offended at God was somebody to say something mean to you or unkind to you or do something harmful to you, the fire was, was long out, friend. I know that upsets you because now you don't have an excuse. But it was never them. It was always you. (laughs) Hallelujah. Isaiah was church hurt. And finally had a real encounter with God. 
And instead of saying woe unto everything that moved and everything, everything that ducked and everything that hid, finally at a fresh encounter with God, woe is me. I am undone. It's me. It's me, God. I'm the problem. I'm the issue. Hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. Jesus. The glorious pursuit of Christ Jesus is the Pentecostal fuel for revival and for ministry. Amen. Hallelujah to God. Knowing Christ is what compels me to make Him known. Hallelujah. Knowing Him first is what compels me to make Him known. Amen. When I'm in love, I'll bend and beg for you. I'll do anything for you. Be all that you want me to be. Pay any price, whatever. The fee works for seven years and demands his bride. After seven years, he's, he's come to the point where finally, I'm going to be seen. Finally, I'm going to be heard. And finally, I'm going to be wanted. And then maybe I can give a praise. Desire of all of us, isn't it? To be seen and heard and wanted. And so there's a feast thrown in verse 22. Big wedding. And he's freaking out. He's geeking seven years and finally she's mine. Mm. The fire is still burning. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah. He took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. This is like, this is like, The, the real housewives of, of Laban. This is not good. Laban gave, then, oh, just for, just because, like, he thought he should do this. Laban gave his female servant, Zilpah, to his daughter Leah to be, be oh, here's this, I'll throw in an extra. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. Now, the Hebrew text does not have any um, punctuation, but I promise you, if it did, there would be a huge exclamation, exclamation point right here. Okay? And so, and behold, it was Leah. What do you mean? Like he went out and like, just like they played Twistura and then like it was Leah and he didn't know because she had a veil. All right? No, like they were married and consummated their marriage. Like it's not Twister. Okay? They're not, they're not playing Pictionary. They consummated their marriage, right? Like it was a little honeymoon, and he wakes up, and he's like, Oh, dear God in heaven! What has Laban done? He's ticked. He doesn't say two words to her. He looks at her, and he says, What? And he runs out the house, and he goes, and he meets Laban. Right? And you might think, well, Rachel, Rachel was the baddie with the body, so I'm sure that Leah, right, was the lady with the legs. I don't know. I just, like, that came to me. And... And, 
And so, do you know what, Le- like Rachel's the light, right? You know what Leah's name means? Ma. Cow. Look at your neighbor, just go, ma. Jacob wakes up and he looks over, ma. What is going on? This is twisted. This is sick. What's wrong with Laban? It says, look at this. And in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what is this you have done to me? Did I not serve you with you for Rachel? Why then have you Jacobed me? Why did you deceive me? The deceiver. Laban. One up him. Is there a dog in here? <laughs> Here's what's crazy to me is that this didn't this isn't an accident, right? This is how much power, this is how manipulative Laban was. Leah knew what she was doing. And don't look now. So did Rachel. It was her wedding. You think she, didn't, she wasn't in on this trick? <laughs> Wait a minute. Rachel and Leah were both, they knew what was going on. I would submit to you that Laban had, had so manipulated his daughters. He convinced poor Rachel that she would have to, she, her, turn, her turn was coming. Not yet, but, it, but trust me, Rachel, this is the plan of God. This is the will of the Lord. You know, people that do that, that use that use the word to try to to try to, to try to twist the to twist your mind and your emotions. And they, they try to use religion to try to force you into decisions to to as if you're not already connected to God all by yourself. And they try to put things on you and labels on you and put identity on you. All oh, it's disgusting. And here this is what religion always does. It tries to control. And so and here's Leah, poor Leah. Leah, who's convinced that she'll always be second best, that she'll always, she'll never be pretty enough to to marry one her, uh, marry a man on her own, and so this is her opportunity to become married so that her future could be could be secured. And Rachel and Leah must have believed him because they partnered with him in the plan. What's interesting is Leo also, like Jacob, has been living in the shadow. Although Leah is the firstborn, Leah doesn't have the approval of her father. Leah's second fiddle, second best, and convinced that she'll always be overlooked, unseen, unheard. Unwanted. So she bends her life trying to be seen, trying to be heard, trying to be loved. And she's convinced 
if I can just get Jacob to love me. If I can just get him to love me, I'll be seen. I'll be heard. I'll be loved and wanted. And every morning she wakes up, it's still Jacob, the deceiver. You ever been there? You thought that he was the answer for you? You thought that if you could just get him to love you, if you could just get her to like you, if you could just make the connection with that one, then you would be seen and heard and loved. And all the wounds and all the issues that you've had up to this point, there would be some sort of, of healing that would take place. If you could just get to, to, to that level, to, to that spot, if you could just get, get this vehicle, if you could just get out of this house into this position or, or this job, or if you could just get into this group or, or this clique or this club, and it's always Jacob, the deceiver. And it's always Leah. Ah, uh, the cow. It's always a mirage. But the Bible says that in 29 and 31 of Genesis that the Lord saw Leah. And that doesn't mean that he saw her for the first time. It's a reminder that he's long seen Leah. He's long seen Leah. And he opened her womb. And Rachel, the baddie with the body, was barren. Look at this. And Leah conceived and bore a son. She called his name Reuben. For the Lord has seen my affliction. Isn't it what we all want to be seen? And now, therefore, my husband will love me. And she found out that still Jacob. The pursuit of love was a mirage. It was empty. And Jacob could not do for her what she, the demand that she placed on him. For the fulfillment and the desire that she longed for could only come by way of Holy Spirit. And then, look, it says, and she conceived again and bare a son and said, because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. And she named him Simeon. But still, Jacob, the deceiver, refuses to love. Rachel doesn't have any kids yet. But then in verse 34, again she conceived and bore a son and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me. This time I'll be loved. I'll be wanted. Because I have borne him three sons now. But she found that she was yet still unwanted. And he still loved Rachel more. Some sort of shift took place between 
verse 32 and verse 35, because she conceived again and she bore a son. And here we see no mention of Jacob or the affirmation of Jacob or any other man in her life. But she just says, now will I praise the Lord. And she said, therefore, she called him Judah. And then she left bearing. And what's interesting here is Reuben's name is seen. Simeon's name is heard. Levi, Levi's name is essentially attached. And all the time, God the Father was saying, Leah, I see you. I know you want Jacob to see you, but Leah, it's not me. It's really not anyone. And then Simeon, and, and his name is translated as heard, and, and he's saying, Leah, I know Jacob can't hear your heart, but, but I've given you Simeon so that you might know that I've heard you. I know what makes your heart ache. I've seen the tears. And then she sends an, he sends another a Levi, which literally is translated as attached. And he says, I know you want Jacob to want you, but baby, I've long been attached to you and long wanted you. And at some point in Leah's heart in life, there's a shift. And she begins to lift her hands and, and, and begins to exalt the name of Jesus. And whether he affirms me or not, no man can tell me my worth. God, I give you the glory. Whether he sends me the DM or he doesn't, I'll be satisfied in you and you alone. Whether or not daddy thinks I'm anything beautiful, God, I know you've heard my cry. I know you've seen me. I know you want me, God. I know you'll long be with me. Hallelujah. And I've seen Leah's name by some theologians translated not as cow, but the one with the soft eyes as to indicate the one who has prayed, who's interceded, and her eyes are wet from prayers because she knew how to intercede and change the destiny of futures in her own destiny. She's destined to marry Saul. She's destined to marry Esau. And because she longed for Jacob, the Lord switched the plan. And here she is praying again again with her seventh son and she says God if I have a seventh son there'll be none for Rachel oh why don't you change the gender and the genders changed in the belly of her womb and she names it Dinah and here we are a woman who knows how to touch God why because she came to a place where she said Lord it's not about men it's not about significance in the earth it's not about affirmation from people it's not about whether or not I get in the club or the clique or the group if they like my post if they don't like my post if it trends on tiktok or if it doesn't oh god let me be heard in heaven let me be seen in heaven oh god i want you to want me and she begins to give him a yada or praise hallelujah and don't look now but but she gives birth not rachel but she gives birth to the royal lineage of every levite through levi and it's leah the one who's rejected and despised the one who's forgotten that gives birth to Jews which is the royal line of King Jesus from the tribe of Judah. Hallelujah. So I don't know what you've been running after. Who you thought if it wasn't this, it's not anything. I come to tell you, that's a Jacob. Could be a Leah. 
It might even be a Rachel. Because Rachel's going to find out, I think it's in the 32nd chapter, that Jacob wasn't enough for her either. She actually takes her father's idols with her on the journey when they leave. And Jacob finds out that Rachel wasn't enough for him either. And the Bible says in chapter 30 and verse 1 and 2 that his, that his anger was kindled against her because she blamed him for her barrenness. And he's over here like, do you, do you see your sister? It's not me, baby. And it, the Bible says his anger was kindled against Rachel. Why? Because Rachel was never enough. Leah was never enough. It's all about Jesus. Seen and heard and wanted by Jesus. For every person in this room who's given other people the power over your future and your identity. Tonight's a good night to surrender it back to Jesus. Hallelujah. Tonight's a good night to create a Bethel. Your brokenness into a gateway for the glory of God to step in and hear again the voice of God. And allow Him to come down to where you are. Hallelujah. She's not the answer. He's not the answer. It's not another relationship. So I ask you tonight. Have you gone to bed with thinking that this is the answer? Have you committed to? What have you committed to? This is my hope. This is my joy. This is how I'm going to be seen. This is how I'll be heard and wanted. This is what's going to fix the wound and the emptiness. What is it in your heart? What is it? Identify it. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit right now. Begin to shine your floodlight. Oh, like David, may our cry be, search me and know me and try me and know my anxious thoughts. Lord, you know, Father, the thing that we sought for fulfillment, the thing we sought for gratification, Lord. You know, Lord God, the people we've tried to replace in our lives, Lord, that we've tried to put in the place of you, the place where you and you alone belong, Father. Show us tonight, Father, and give us, Lord, some Leahs in the house, Lord, who will have tender eyes, eyes, Lord God, that'll That'll, that'll, that'll turn upwards towards you, Father, with lifted hands in surrender, Father, to you and say, God, you, you and you alone have always been the one that the heart commitment tonight, Father, will be, Lord, if it's not you, it cannot be anyone in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. If this message blessed you in any way, please consider subscribing and sharing this podcast with someone. You can follow us on social media at Haven.